Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. During the week, we have been in a series, The Names of God. Uh, We have spent Wednesday nights digging into this subject matter, as well as Tuesday, noonday, we have uh, talked about the names of God, and we're going to continue that uh, throughout the summer. But this Sunday, we're going to depart from that, and uh, I want to help show you, according to Scripture, how we can get the show back on the road. A lot of us want to restart, and uh, hopefully this message is going to help you do just that in your life. Let's pray. Father, open eyes today, men hearts. Father, do what only you can do through our time of, 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 of learning and teaching and preaching. We give you all the honor in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened, what happened? That's that's the question here. What, What is Paul talking about? Now, Paul had already been arrested in Jerusalem. Uh, He was held captive for a couple years uh, in Caesarea, and we read about that in the book of Acts. And at this point, he was writing from a prison in Rome. Now, Rome's prison system was uh, very, very different than ours today. You know, we go to jail, and we are punished for our crimes by staying in jail. But typically, at this time in history, prisons were simply holding cells or, or holding places for the condemned. And uh, folks that were in jail were expected to die. Every now and then, folks would go to jail as they were expecting trial. But this was not the typical case. Uh, Justice was very quick in in those days and often very, very deadly. In fact, we get the language that we still use today being thrown in jail from this particular time period because literally you would drop through a hole. uh, the, The dungeon was below and you would drop through a hole in the ceiling into the dungeon. And these places were dark, they were smelly, they were damp, they had insects, uh, it was cold, there were no bathrooms, and it often also contained dead bodies or people very close to starvation. So you didn't want to be in a Roman jail. But I want you to know, brethren, it's important to have brothers and sisters that support you during the hard times in your life, and Paul had that, that the things which happened to me, watch this, the things that happened to me were very, very bad, but watch this, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, such degrading circumstances would make most people get bitter. But Paul saw all that was happening in his life as an opportunity. And your attitude is often the lens through which you view things that happen in your life. Now, I'm not sure if Paul was already in what was called the Maritime Prison, which actually we could still visit today, uh, or he was under arrest at this period. We're not quite sure. But the humiliation of Paul's situation here was not as important as how he responded. You know, it's not what happens to us but it's what happens in us that ultimately defines us. Now, we may not be in a cell like Paul's cell, but we do have similar opportunities even today to be equally discouraged. But watch how Paul handled this situation. Verse 13, so that it has become evident 
So he's talking about his imprisonment, as bad as it was. He says, this has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. You see, the way Paul handled this crisis proved to everyone watching that he was not just another inmate. He was not just another criminal. Uh, as God's rot guards rotated in and out, uh, to watch and uh, guard Paul, he would often share Jesus. You know, as, as an orange, uh, when squeeze produces orange juice, when we're put in a squeeze, what's inside of us tends to come out of us. And we see that when Paul was cut, he only bled Jesus. And may that be said about you and I. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my what? Chains. Now, Paul's personal courage here inspired others. People heard about his incarceration and heard about his attitude, heard about people turning to the Lord despite the terrible situation that he was in. You see, success is not really just what you achieve in life, but what you inspire others to achieve in their lives. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more. So, what happened in Paul's life had a big impact on the church, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So people began to think, if, if Paul could do this, certainly I could do this. If, if Paul could endure such terrible situations, I can face whatever it is God has in front of me. But in the next verse, though, we see, though Paul lived by faith, he was a man of optimistic faith, if you will, he still had both feet firmly planted on the ground. I like what William A. Ward said. He said, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects the wind to change, but the realist adjusts the sails. So though Paul had optimistic faith, he was a realist as it related to actual facts. And he dealt squarely with even uncomfortable things. And we have to learn to do that if we're going to be successful. We cannot pretend things are not that actually are. Some indeed, he says, now watch what he says, preach Christ even from envy and strife. And that's awful. Such a beautiful gospel to be mixed with such wrong motivations. But then he says, and some from goodwill. So some were glad that Paul was incarcerated because it finally gave them an opportunity to, to surpass him and influence him. Perhaps uh, some of the churches that he founded would invite them instead of him. But most were inspired by the right reason. So uh, Paul faced these facts, which, which is very, very important, but he didn't let himself become cynical. We can face disappointments and defeats without becoming defeated. And he said, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. So some people didn't just want to win. They wanted Paul to lose. And when it gets personal like that, it, it's very, 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 very difficult. But I will not let anyone so defeat and diminish my soul that I will allow myself to begin to hate them. And Paul wouldn't do the same thing. He would not get down on that level. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the 
gospel. So there were folks, again, and he's, he's reiterating this, that knew Paul was in prison for the right reasons, and it was because of the message he preached, the truths he embraced, and not because of faults in his life. And may people say about us what, what they said about Daniel. Let me read Daniel 6 and 5. Then these men said, the folks that were, were haters of Daniel, if you will, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel. Now, you notice this Daniel here. Uh, you, you can hear the contempt, you know, this guy, th this Daniel. Unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You see, Daniel's critics couldn't find any valid criticism uh, from Daniel's life or even lifestyle. So they had to attack his faith. Now, you know, people outside of our faith may be poor critics of our doctrine and they don't quite understand and get it, but they can at times be very good judges of our character. And these guys that looked at Daniel, you know, they said, you know what, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. Uh, and the only way we're going to find fault is if we find it as it relates to the doctrine of his God. And may that be true for each of us. Philippians 1 and 12. What then did Paul say about all this competition, all this rivalry? We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be brothers. We're supposed to be on the same team. How did Paul respond? What did he say? He said, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. As tough as Paul's circumstances were, as unfair as his situation was, Paul refused to make it all about him. Whether bad motives, good motives, as long as the gospel was being preached, Paul was good. And if you live a life that everything is about you, you will eventually be left with just that, just you. But Paul had a vision bigger. And even if it was through wrong motivations, the bottom line, Christ was being preached, lives were being changed. And sometimes folks look at, you know, some of the sideways things that sometimes ministers do, do sometimes gospel artists do, and, and they say, well, you know, the whole thing's fake. You see, the, the issue is not always the person, but the message. And the person could be absolutely wrong, but if they have the right message, God will often honor the message. So don't be too discouraged by some of the things you find out about folk. Uh, be certain that, you know what, God is God and that the message is true. Signs and wonders confirm his word, not necessarily the person. It says, and in this or in this situation where people were acting a little hypocritical, where people were being competitive, where, where people were, were being envious and vying for position, that's an awful thing to see. But watch his attitude. And in this, as discouraging as imprisonment was, competition was, and all that was going on, he became depressed. No. He said, I rejoice. He was saying, God is still God. He can still use things even done with or through the worst motivations for his good. So people may intend it for evil, but God knows how to work it for good. He said, as bad as all that is, I rejoice. Yes, yeah, and you got to get a yes in your heart. When folks are acting crazy and, and things are going sideways, you got to get a strong yes in your heart. Yes, and I will. 
rejoice. Why? Because he knew the Bible. Remember Joseph's hateful brothers? You know, that they were trying to destroy him when they sold him to a caravan of slavers. But God used that trip to make him second in power to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And the enemy intended to destroy him. This was going to be a, a trip to his demise, but God used the trip to promote him. Remember when men tried to kill Daniel that we just spoke about. Uh, but what happened in the end? He was put in the lion's den, but they were eaten in, by the lions instead. Or what about Haman? Remember when he was trying to kill Mordecai? He actually ended up hung on the very gallows he built for, for Mordecai. And, and instead of uh, uh, Mordecai being killed, actually he was promoted after this event. Always remember, there is a God in heaven, and he will have the last word. Paul says in verse 19, and this is why he was rejoicing, because he knew something. And I need you to, to know something in order for you to rejoice through this season that you're going through in your life, that we're going through together. He said, for I know, and I want you to hear Paul's confidence. And when you put things into God's hand, God starts to put his hand into everything in your life. For I know, watch what he knew, as bad as it was, watch what he knew. For I know that this will turn out. And this is something we need to know. We need to know that God's going to work all things together for good. This will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. So as bad as his situation was, he still believed in two things. The power of prayer, but watch this, and also the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you're in crisis, what two things you need to believe in? The power of prayer and continue to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. This will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's read it one more time. For I know, I'm absolutely convinced, and you got to get some convictions. you got to get some backbone instead of just wishbone. For I know this is going to work out. This will turn out for my, my prayer. I don't care what happened over there. I don't care what happened over for, for me in my house. This will work out for my deliverance through your what? Prayer. He knew that if the Philippians prayed for him, the situation would turn out. And this is why we need each other. This is why we need a church. This is why we need a community. This is why we need to get back together in the house of God. You see, if prayer wasn't so powerful, the devil wouldn't fight us so hard to get us to quit. You see, a lot of folks say, well, well I prayed and nothing happened. Understand that if you had not prayed, something worse probably would have happened. For I know that this covid or whatever else you're dealing with, will turn out. And this has to become our, I know this will work out as bad as it is, as smelly as it is, as rotten as it is, as putrid as my circumstances are. I know this will work out for my deliverance. Whether he lived or died, he believed God was going to work everything together for good. You see, what messes us up is in our, our heads, we have a picture of what things are supposed to be. But God doesn't always deliver us exactly as we want, but he delivers us as we need. For I know, and I'm sure that 
the pictures in his head of what his ministry would look like didn't match his experience at this moment. And, and the issue is that there might be some situation you're going through right now. And he's like, well, this doesn't match the image I had in my head, but who are you, God? God knows exactly what you need. God knows exactly what he needs to build in you. God knows exactly what he has placed in you. And often when life doesn't look the way we think it should look, we give up, we back up. But understand that God is even in whatever situation you're in, working all things together for your good. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. He still believed that it would turn out for him. And God wants you to believe that it will still turn out for you. This too shall pass. There's nothing to it if we just keep doing it and, and keep at it. The situation you're in has not diminished God's power. His arm is not too short to save. I recognize that some things are unpleasant, but God is still God. And this was Paul's commitment. This was Paul's conviction. And my God, I pray that it becomes your own. He said, this will turn out for my deliverance through your specific prayer, and don't miss this, and the supply. Now, the term used here and translated supply is epikoregia, which is a term that has an important history. Um, back when the Greek world was powerful and doing all that it was doing, and the Greek language was, was written, um, there was this choir, and actually choirs kind of doubled as theater groups. And they had uh, spent months preparing and training and had some of the greatest voices in the land, and they were scheduled to go on the road. But right before they went on the road, uh, they ran out of money. But after a while, and I think it was delayed for a couple months, but after a while, a very, very rich man heard the story and heard about, you know, what had happened to these folks that had worked so hard to create this show and, and get this show ready and, and how they were stopped in the tracks. And when he heard about it, he made a huge uh, financial contribution to get the show back on the road. And when that situation occurred, they coined this term, epicoregia. And what it means is a lavish an outrageously large contribution made by a wealthy benefactor. Well, that's what Paul's saying here. For I know, I'm absolutely convinced, I am fully persuaded. I know what's happening around me, but I also know what's happening on the inside of me. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. Y'all just pray for me. And the epichoregia of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the epicoregia, the lavish, outrageously large contribution that the Spirit is going to, 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 to place in my heart and my life. Yeah, there's COVID. Yes, we have uncertainty. Yes, we have family situations. Yes, we have political situations. Yes, people are struggling. Some people are out of work. But epicoregia, my God shall supply all my need. He will make an outlandish contribution into my heart and your heart if we would just stay plugged in and with him. God, forgive us for being so ordinary, while claiming to know 
such an extraordinary God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and we're done for the morning. Watch what Jesus promises the disciples. He said this, but you shall receive power, not weakness, not greater frailty, but power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Today, it seems like the Holy Spirit should have missing person signs plastered throughout all of our neighborhoods because he has become the missing person, not only in the church today, but in our lives today. He is the epicoregia. He is the one that wants to make an outrageously large contribution into each of our hearts and each of our lives as we yield to him and continue to trust him, even though we're facing the things we're facing right now in our lives. Let's read it one more time. These are the words of Jesus. But you shall receive power, dunamis. There will be explosive, life-changing power released on the inside of you if you would let the Holy Spirit come upon you. And what I'm saying to you today is God wants to make a lavish, an outrageously large contribution, an infusion of his own riches into your heart, into your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit because he wants to get the show back on the road. So all he wants us to do is ask him for this power. Say, Father, I've gone as far as I can go in my own strength. But Lord, if you let me tap into your strength, God, I know I'll have more than enough. He will be a difference maker. If you would not just, man, turn off some of the crap we listen to on, on, on the TV and all the rest and begin to listen to the God that lives on the inside. You know, they're talking about the sky is falling, but God is saying, I am more than enough. I don't care what happens around you. It's all about what happens on the inside of you. And I will be the difference maker. I will keep you. I will, I will protect you. The Bible said, unto him who is able to keep us from falling. God's the same God. He ended the book of Jude saying that. It's, it's a glorious benediction. God is able to keep each of us from falling. He wants to make an outlandish contribution into each of our hearts and lives. There is hope, church. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.